What is up, ladies and gents? I'm your host, Veronica Thompson, and welcome to another episode of Above the Mean, a podcast about individuals actively pursuing their passions and pushing themselves to be better than the standard in order to stand out. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Dozie O'Harry, the founder and CEO of Choose to Do Inc., a nonprofit centered around mental health and wellness for BIPOC teens. And for those who don't know what BIPOC stands for, it's Black Indigenous People of Color. So thank you so much, Dozie, for coming on and being on the show. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Of course, of course. It's an honor. I'm personally really passionate about the topic of mental health. I mean, more than 43 million Americans struggle with mental illness, and it really seems to have kind of a negative connotation surrounding it, making it difficult for people to have like this open, transparent conversation. So I'm really excited to get into it today with you. Awesome. Can you first off just tell me a little bit about yourself? I know like the Choose to Do Inc. kind of focuses more on children. What was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? So I'm a native Houstonian. Uh, Ooh, born okay. Yep. I grew up in A-Leaf. Um, so I'm from the SWAT. Um, my family is Nigerian. So my parents are from Nigeria. And, they, and then I they came here and they had me and my siblings. So I consider myself to be Nigerian-American and I'm first generation. Um, and so growing up was difficult, um, just the cultural differences and what, how my parents raised us, how I was raised um, as a young woman, and also being the only girl of four boys and then being a, a young Black child um, had, its, its, ish, had its, its difficulties, had some challenges. Um, and so what I experienced personally was, um, I, mean, I was a latchkey kid, so parents went off to work. And so we would raise our, each other, basically take care of each other. Um, and so I experienced um, absence, which I now as an adult um, and going through therapy, um, understand that I, it's an issue of being, a, of having avoidance um, and not having someone there to speak with or just not having a presence of, okay, it's comfortable for me to talk about my emotions. Right. It's, it's comfortable. It's comfortable for me to, to express how I'm feeling. I didn't grow up in a household where that was OK or that we did that. Um, and so as a child, I suffered with anxiety and depression. And then I went off to college, got older and it got worse. And so in college, something told me to start to see a counselor on campus. And so from counseling, I started to see a therapist and that was in 2007, 2008. And so I've been in therapy since then. Um, and therapy really, really has given me the tools to maneuver um, and deal with and work through my childhood trauma or those, those kind of negative experiences that had a lasting impact on me so that I can move past it in a healthy way. That's really beautiful. And I definitely commend you on sticking with therapy and that's really interesting to hear. Would you say that your past, like your childhood growing up was kind of mainly the inspiration for you starting the nonprofit? Oh, yeah, 100%. I always say that I'm mentoring myself, right? I built an organization, a nonprofit around a cause around what I would have liked as a child. The things that I missed that I wish that I had, I injected that into what I want to choose to do Inc. to be. And when was Choose to Do Inc. actually founded and created? 2016, uh, actually March 8th, 
2016. So we're going on our sixth year. And that's awesome. And so you guys are primarily located in Houston, correct? We're in Houston. Um, we don't have our own space just yet. And so we go to where the kids are and we work with youth that are in underserved communities that are particularly BIPOC um, with, with emphasis on black youth that have uh, that don't have the resources for mental health. And so if they identify, if that population identifies with those two indicators, then we will mentor and work with that population. And I know that you kind of just launched um, a self-discovery project that teaches youth how to creatively express themselves through self-esteem building activities and dance. Can you walk us through or give us like an example of what some of those self-esteem building exercises would be? Right. So we just worked with an after-school program. We partnered with uh, Rainbow Housing Assistance Corporation, which provides um, after-school program to kids in low-income apartment complexes. And so we just wrapped up our uh, program, the, self the self-discovery project with them last week. And what it looks like is we run a series of social emotional learning activities and, and also we incorporate dance to get the kids to understand what affirming their identity is, what who they are and be able to express themselves. Um, and so one of the activities that we've done is we call it the self-love activity where we have an acronym, which is self-love. And the kids have to write something that matches with the letter and the word um, that reflects something great about themselves. And so that activity gets them to just have a conversation and to really identify things about themselves they enjoy. Because nine times out of the, out of ten, as people and as as youth, you're seeing something negative about yourself. You're hearing something hearing something negative about yourself. And so that's the first thing that people go to is, oh, there's these things that aren't great about myself. But just as you can identify those things that you want to improve on or that you think aren't the best of you, there are things that are great about you. And so we want kids to identify that and speak more about those things versus a negative. I definitely, that's really that's really awesome because I definitely understand and can resonate with the fact that it's easier oftentimes to focus on the negative rather than just like the positive. And I feel like it's really something that you have to kind of teach and kind of mold into your mind and practice over and over so that it really sticks with you. Because that's even something that I'm still working on doing positive affirmations in the morning. Like what are, what are some affirmations that you love to say for yourself? Um, so I, I always say like, I'm strong, I'm powerful. Um, I'm a leader. Um, and things that so for so things that would if I have a negative thought then I will just counteract that, counteract it with a positive thought, um, and so the typical ones are I'm I'm strong I am powerful I am a leader I am beautiful, um, because I'll hear I'll, I'll have thoughts that say say I'll have thoughts that say you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you're selfish, and then I'll tell myself well I am worthy, I am good enough, I'm not selfish right. And the purpose of that is to counteract, counteract those negative thoughts that pop up in my head automatically. No, I love that. I think one that I constantly tell myself is you are the energy that you put out. And mm. so that's why I really try to radiate positive energy. And I definitely feel like the universe can sense the energy you're putting out and it's going to give you exactly that back times 10. I agree. 100%. I want to talk about what have been some of the most challenging parts that you found about running a nonprofit? Um, so 
one of the things is that as a nonprofit, when talking to funders, people who are providing funding for the organization, or just talking to people who in general may not have an idea um, about the work that we're doing, um, we find that people want us to, because we are a we are a service-based organization or we're just a service-based business, that that's what we're supposed to be doing is servicing and without pay. We're supposed to be thankful and grateful that we are doing this work and we're helping the population, which we are. But in order to, to affect the population that we're working with, we have to be able to fund the organization. And so funding has been something that I'm learning as a business owner, just in general, um, and learning as an executive director, CEO of a nonprofit, that I have to do the work to change the perspective of the person that I'm asking money from so that they are not just thinking about this as we're doing great work, but we also need to be funded so that we can do the great work, right? And that's been a challenge because number one, asking for money is difficult and getting people to see that what we're doing makes sense and it's it's needed, even though it is needed, but still people, mental health is still a taboo and people you know, are still having um, issues with, with talking about mental health. And also there's so many other causes out there that people are more familiar with. And so naturally I think they would gravitate towards those causes first. Um, so that's that, but then on top of that, I am a black woman, right? I'm a, this is a black led organization. And so I am more likely not to receive funding versus my counterparts, which is either a white woman or a white man, right? If you put both of us in the same, same category, doing the same work, they're more likely to get funded than I am. And so that's a battle that I constantly face, but I'm up for the challenge because the work has to be done. And you've been doing it beautifully. Um, what can you tell us an inspiring story from one of the participants or kids that make you say, yes, like this is worth it. This is what I'm doing this for. Yes. So all the time, <laughs> you know, like that's, I mean, this is, this work is not easy, you know, and the reward, the, I mean, the, it's, it's a personal reward, you know, but like just seeing the kids transforming immediately when we're there the, from that first class, um, because our programs are so, they're so untraditional or non-traditional and how we interact with the youth and just how we carry out our programs that it's so funny to see them come in. They're like, oh man, this is like school or this is school. And then when they when we actually interact with them, they're like, oh, this is fun. Like this is, I mean, this is an experience that I've hadn't had before. Right. And so you, you really see them open up and become more vulnerable. Um, but most of the kids, I would say probably like 80 to 90% of the youth that we work with, when they come in, they have a negative perspective or they have something negative to say about um, just in general, their life, right? And then when they're done with the program, we see a shift in how they think, their perspective about how they view themselves and their lives. And so that says, that says to us that the work we're doing is working and that we have to continue to do the work and just refine the process along the way. And just kind of like, do you try to cultivate, I guess, the activities more in general, or do you try to help if you see like kids kind of struggling, like do you kind of make them more one-on-one -on -one or is it more group-based? So we work with kids and uh, so our, we call them youth mentors and just mentorship styles. Um, so we mentor our youth um, in a group setting so it's never one-on-one -on -one mentorship. It's always in a group setting. 
Okay. And I read that Choose to Do Inc. tries to tackle self-esteem and young adults by teaching them the importance of having like a positive mindset in order to help them maneuver the daily stresses of life. What are some of the things that you do to de-stress? Um, oh, yes. So I will unplug. Uh, <laughs> I will say, don't call me. Like, I need a mental break. Like, don't don't speak to me at the moment. Um, just because there's I mean, there's always something that I'm doing and I could get lost in the work that I do. And so I have to pull away sometimes. And I had a mentor early on that told me that I have to schedule my my vacations in the beginning of the year, because if I don't, then I'm not going to take the vacations because the workload is just so much. And so I took after so many years of actually like doing that, going through, I mean, going, just doing the work, I um, was like, you know what, she's got a point. I should probably take some some breaks in the you know set up set them in the beginning of the year, so I can actually take them. Um, so yeah, so that, that's been helpful, and I love to just like do nothing or like go out, dance. I love African music. I love Afro Afro beats. So like I'm a proponent of just enjoying myself and enjoying life. Um, and so if I'm if I'm de-stressing and I'm doing nothing, then I have to have a balance of okay, I work hard, so I'm going to play hard. Exactly. Finding the best of both worlds, because I definitely feel like especially when you get into a field where you're dedicated mostly to helping other people, you kind of find it tough to find time to like help yourself. And so I love the fact that you're still maintaining your self-love, your self-care and trying to like take care of you as well. Mm hmm. And I also just want to implement the fact that Choose to Do Inc. isn't just for kids. I saw that you have an internship program for high school and even college students. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so actually, um, our internship program, we started, I think it was 2017. Um, and we work with uh, high school, well, we haven't worked with middle school kids yet, but it is also open to middle school kids, high school kids and college students. And we provide them with the experience of learning professional skills, um, helping the organization grow and connecting with our network. Um, and on top of that, they, if they're coming through their institution, they can receive course credit from their school. Um, and then we have incentives where we recognize our interns and our newsletters um, and just in conversations with um, our stakeholders. And so I, so our internship program is, I would say it's a great way for people who want to learn a skill set or just do something different from what they went to school for, or just have an interest in something to get to gain experience, right? Um, and we've had, I wanna say like 10 to 12 interns, uh, I think since 2017 or 2018. And so we're looking to take in more interns uh, every year so that we can get more people to train and learn different skill sets. And I always tell people all the time that, you know, you. An internship program is great for the position that you want to go into, but also gain just, ex just experience in general, right? Because you never know what you can be exposed to in an internship program. So it might not be your area, of, your area of expertise, or it might not be the position that you want to be in in your um, degree path, but still try it out because you never know what you're going to learn. Yeah, like you might find that you're actually really into just like either the marketing side or the teaching educational side of just being a part of a nonprofit, because I feel like it's a very multifaceted thing. There's so many different things that make up to create that one whole, essentially. Yes, yes, I agree. And you, and you, might, you might find that you might not like the position 
or you might not like the work. And that's okay too, because now you know what you don't want. Exactly. And I wanted to know where, what is your vision for the nonprofit within the next five years? So the next five years is for us to uh, be fully staffed. That's number one. And then to have our own office. Right now we're in a, we're in a co-working space. And so we'd love to have our own office and, and uh, our own office. Um, and then I would like for us to have at least two more branches, um, maybe locally or nationwide, because eventually I want us to be a global organization. Um, and then double our outreach every year. I want to make sure that we're reaching more, more kids each year. Can you talk to us? I feel like starting a nonprofit, you have to have a really leadership mentality. Where do you think that you got yours from? Um, my mother, I would say, because she, I, uh, that she just is a woman who doesn't give up. She is resilient. Um, and I learned that no matter your circumstances, you got to put in the work, right? You, you've got to keep moving. Um, and it's so funny because I will now as an adult and after being in the nonprofit for five years, I look back and I see areas in, within myself where I'm a leader and within my leadership, I have taken on more than I needed to, right? And so it's also, it also comes with the, 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 the ability to ask for help or just the, to know when to ask for help because I see my mother and she is great at just taking on things and accomplishing what she wants to do. But I can also see how that can be a, a, an issue. It could be a, a challenge and have its own, its own and be a burden. And so I'll do things and I'm like, this is just normal. Like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's like, no, Dozy, you can ask for some help. You can delegate that or you can, you don't have to do that. And it, I've become just so accustomed to this world uh, word resilient and being a leader that I forget that I'm human and I need help. And so what, I mean, to answer your question, I mean, yes, I, I believe that my, my qualities come from my mother, but I also can see how the, uh, the, uh, the other side of leadership is asking for help and knowing when to delegate and knowing when you don't know, knowing when you don't know the answer, right? Um, and so that's a part of myself that I'm learning because I didn't see that part growing up. Resilient is one of my favorite words. I love it. Um, just because I feel like it's really a mindset to get in it. And I think that's really interesting that you bring up that notion that it is hard to ask for help. And I feel like it's not something that we're really taught. Like it's almost kind of taboo or like, it seems shameful. It's like, you should know this, you should figure this out. Like it's all you, you, you. When in reality, it takes a village, it takes a team. And I feel like a nonprofit is a perfect example of that. Like it takes a village to create this community. And like, that's exactly what you're trying to do, which choose to do. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> And so I want to know a little bit more, I guess, about the mental health side of Choose to Do. Do you guys offer therapy for some of the young kids? Um, no, we don't offer therapy, but we do have therapists that do work that have helped um, and provided advice um, within the work that we're doing. And so I seek I seek their help for guidance. 
Um, and they've been really instrumental on helping us build out the curriculum, build out the lessons that we teach our kids. And can you tell me a little bit like more about the curriculum? Like what exactly does it look like? So the curriculum focuses on support for the kids, um, empowering them and having a good time. So we say fun. Um, and so overall, this, the, it depends on the lesson, I mean, the, the program. Like for example, we have Breaking the Cycle, which is a program that we've had the longest, um, which promotes self-love and leadership among boys and girls, nine to 19 years old. So for that program, it's five weeks. And each week we have a topic that the kids discuss. Um, so the first class is the power of uh, positive, uh, positive versus negative self-talk. The second class is unhealthy versus healthy love relationships. The third class is let's talk fears. The fourth class is uh, defining your life's purpose. And then the fifth class is their spa day class. We turn the whole class into a spa day and it's like a whole thing. Um, and that's the only program where we mentor the boys and the girls separately. Um, and it, like I said, focuses on self-esteem building and it gets the kids to identify those qualities of leadership within themselves. That's a really, really, um, it's really deep uh, curriculum. And one that kind of stuck out to me the most was, I think it was the second one, um, learning about unhealthy and healthy relationships. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so what we do is we get the kids to identify what that looks like in their lives. Because a lot of the kids that we, most, majority of the kids that we most, or not all, I mean, if not all the kids that we work with comes, come from some kind of a traumatic background. And so they're experiencing these things every day. And we want them to identify and put and identify and label those experiences, experiences so they can tell the difference between the two and then have um, a solution or ways to create and curate more healthy relationships in their lives. So they're the ones identifying it and they're the ones coming up with solutions on how they can have more healthy relationships. I think that's great. I wish I had that growing up because I feel like that's something that I'm learning now, uh, specifically boundaries, I feel like is what I'm really trying to tackle because I feel like that was something that was never really taught to me or was really never emphasized that it is important to have boundaries. Like it's okay to say no sometimes to your friends, your family, like it's okay to put yourself first and create those boundaries because one that kind of helps people to respect and know like what you're comfortable with, but it also lets them know that like your time is important and is valuable too. Right. I agree. So I love the fact that you're teaching our youth that at such like a young age, because I feel like that's really going to help to give them that like upper hand, especially like tackling those relationships when they get a little older into young adulthood, because that's something that I feel like I wish that was taught to us. Yeah, me too. And that's why I started the organization. <laughs> and so what I guess is one, what's one event that you look forward to doing every year for Choose to Do? Um, and so my favorite is Breaking the Cycle. Um, that's the program that we started off with. That was the program that we ran. We ran the longest and um, we ran for about four years before we started creating new programs. And through Breaking the Cycle, we've seen kids grow and identify these terms and, and, and ways of being that they would have never identified, you know, if they hadn't come across this program. Um, we had a girl who 
we mentored, I think it was in 20, uh, 2018. Um, and she was, it wasn't, she, so she and a, and a group of other girls, it was a group of girls at a um, homeless shelter, I mean, a group home for girls. And so these girls had been through something traumatic to be placed in this group home. And what we do with Breaking the Cycle is that we have support for the kids. So we call them youth mentors, which are volunteers that come out to work with the kids. And they assist the kids on the activities and they engage with them and have, they just have a good time while they're there. Um, and so what we do is we have women um, work with the girls and then we have men work with the boys. And typically we like to surround them with black and brown individuals because that's the communities that we're servicing. And so this class was the spa day class. And so for the girls, they get manicures. It's like a whole thing. Like we, it's a whole thing for the girls. Um, and the boys have their own version of, of a spa day as well. And, and particularly with this spa, this spa day, there was a, a girl that was left, and she wasn't left, but she was the last one to get her nails done. And so everybody was wrapping up and getting ready to go. And as she's leaving, she says, this is the first time that she's seen black women work together. And she was a black girl herself. And so she was probably, I think she was middle school or high school age. And for her to say that meant that she hadn't seen that in her lifetime. And to be at that age and not see it is a tragedy. So we were able to provide her with the experience because we just wanted to take care of the kids. You know, we provided a structure to do that. Um, but to hear her say that was just, I mean, it's heart, it's, it's heartwarming, but it's heartbreaking at the same time, because this is an experience that you should have as a black woman, as a woman of color, as a young girl of color. This is how your life should be. But I understood it because this also was my experience, right? I've seen my mother, I've seen, you know, her friends, like the experiences that have not always been great and I have not always been healthy. And I understood where she was coming from, you know, which is sad because this should be your life every single day. But it's good to know that we could, we could provide that to her. Yeah. And break the cycle. That was, yeah. that is honestly, it's a little heartbreaking to hear, but I'm glad that she is now in an environment where she is exposed to those types of behaviors and she can know and recognize this is something that she wants to carry on with her. I agree. I feel like Dozie, I feel like you teach the kids so much. What's one thing that you've learned from the kids while doing this choose to do? I say all the time that they're my salvation. You know, I feel very connected to them because I am mentoring myself. Um, and I've learned to really I mean, take, taking, taking care of yourself and putting yourself first is an only, it's only a phrase, it's only a, wor a word if you don't do the work, right? Um, and so I've learned that putting myself first is self-preservation. Um, I learned that I need to have boundaries within myself and my life, right? And in the beginning, I was struggling with how can I teach these kids if I'm not practicing what I preach? And so that even being in therapy, like therapy gave me the tools to identify what I experienced in life, but it didn't, it didn't talk about my future and like going into this work, this is a whole new field for me. And so now this is a, a, another layer of dozy that has to be uncovered and has to be worked through. And so I always say the kids are like my mirror, like they tell you like, hey, triggering point, work on this, triggering point, work on this. Um, and so 
they've shown me like I have to do a deeper dive consistently, constantly on the person that I want to be. Yeah, like you're constantly working on yourself. And I definitely find that to be true because we're constant works of art. We're just constantly evolving, constantly molding just due to our surroundings, the people that we're by and just everything that we're kind of taking in. And I think that's I think that's a really good lesson to kind of know that it's okay if you're not where you want to be yet, but to know that if as long as you're taking the steps and willing to try to get there, then you will. Mm-hmm. You just got to do the work. Yeah, you just got to put in that work. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know, I want to help out and know what do you want the community to know or remember about Choose to Do? Like, how can people get involved with the nonprofit? Um, so people can volunteer. And they can go to our website at www.choosetodoinc.org to become either a youth mentor, which is someone that works with the kids directly, and then assist them with their activities and hangs out with them, engages, engages with them throughout the program. And then we have our collaborators, which are individuals who are like-minded um, businesses, organizations that lend their expertise to create an activity. And then they teach that activity to our kids. And then we have group volunteers where corporations or individuals from the community want to work with the kids or help us on a community project that we're working on. Um, you can, and you could do that in a group setting. Um, and then if you, if you want to support by giving a contribution or a donation to the organization, we take funding through our website as well, which is www.choosetodoinc.org. Um, we take individual donations, we apply for grants, um, and funding is really what we need to continue on the work as well as our volunteers. But yeah, those, those are some of the ways that people can support the organization and get involved. And I'll definitely make sure to tag all of those websites on the description below. Dozy, I just want to know what's one thing that you really want people or the community to know about Choose to Do? Um, I want people to know that Choose to Do Inc. is a nonprofit that really does the groundwork to assist kids with their mental health, to provide them with resources. But in turn, we want to empower them to turn around and then empower their communities. All right. And so we're teaching them to then be leaders and spearhead these conversations so they can turn around and help with help their families, help their friends, um, and build up their own communities. And that's awesome. You're basically giving them the tools to help them become little leaders within their own community. It's crazy how I guess mental health has really increased with over the last few years, especially I feel like with within the youth just due to social media, I think has a large impact on that. Um, what are your thoughts about it? I mean, I, I agree with that. And there are studies that show that social media has had a negative impact um, on the mindsets of our children. And the unfortunate thing, or the, I guess it's, it's unfortunate, but it's not going away. Social media is not, it's here to stay. Like it's not something that's gonna be uh, obsolete in the future, right? and kids are more connected than ever. Um, so I think the good thing about that is that there is information out there for them on social media about how they can improve themselves, their mental health, their mental states. 
um, but it's it has to be regulated by the people in their lives, right? Um, I think personally, it's just my opinion that we've gotten away from you know this parents for the parents that are the people in the kids' lives that that don't hold the kids accountable, kind of enable them to live a certain lifestyle or lifestyle that is placed in front of them. Um, and forgetting that as as adults, as people in their lives, that we set the tone for, you know, their future. And going back to that foundation of setting that, setting the foundation of, of what their life could look like, right? Providing, providing a little bit of boundaries, a little bit of uh, self-control. Um, those things are, those things come from what they see, which should come from the home. Yeah, right? it comes from your surroundings within. Your surroundings from within. And so if your surroundings are not providing that for you, then no wonder the kid is going to uh, indulge or, or, or find a different path because what is provided for, what it should be provided at home, if they have one, is not available to them. Those teachings or instru instructions are not available to them. Um, and so unfortunately, social media does play a negative role in their lives. But also I look at it as adults. Like it's, it's my age group, we weren't born with technology, but we use it. We're a part of, you know, how it plays out in the world. And it's difficult for us to control ourselves. So how do we expect to then have the children control themselves when it comes to social media when we as adults have a hard time doing it, right? The solution there, but it's it comes from us doing the work first so that we can teach our kids. And what would you think would be a good like solution to counteract kind of just that overstimulation of just constantly being on a screen and constantly looking for validation, whether it's through likes or follows, what solution would you propose to that? So something that I find that really does help the youth, and it's so simple, but it's really hard to do because people, adults have lives outside of their kids, um, which is just, just reality, um, is engaging with your children, finding more time to be interactive with them. And that's something that we do with our program, although we're not with the children every day, all day, but those pockets, that time frame that they can detach and really be engaged and have a, a good, enjoyable time doing things outside of what they normally would do kind of shifts their mindset and kind of shifts um, or has like a breaking point where they're focused on something else and there's something else that is um, empowering for them. And so I would say as parents, as adults in these kids' lives, you have to set the time and to detach for yourself first so you can detach the kids and have interactive activities with them or just do something that is interactive and separate from, from what they would normally do that empowers them um, in a healthy way. Yeah, kind of disconnect in order to connect. Yes. Oh, let's put it on a t-shirt, girl. <laughs> yes. I know, I shouldn't get those made. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I'm a sucker for like little sayings and quotes. What would what would be one, I guess, quote or philosophy that you try to live your life by? Um. So our, our, our tagline is change your mindset, change your outcome. Ooh, I like that. Because your mindset, your mind can will you to do anything and everything. It's the strongest muscle in your body. Um, and if it's a muscle, I don't know. I'm not a <laughs> muscle. You're asking the wrong whatever. person. I'm an art major. <laughs> 
I'm like, uh, I don't know, muscle, organ, whatever it's in your body, but it's it's the strongest uh, part of your body, right? And it can make you believe and do anything. And so I say, if you work on your mindset first, I mean, it literally can make you ill. It literally, the way you feel about yourself can make you ill or make you feel great. The way that you perceive yourself the way that you do, like you live out your life, your day-to-day activities, your day-to-day things are all controlled by your mind. And so you you have the power to change the way you think about yourself. That is an active muscle that you have to flex. And so if you change your mindset, you can change your perspective, your outcome. I I really like that. I really, really do. Because I feel like that goes back to what I was saying. When you have that positive mindset, you reflect that positive energy. And then that's all that you're just going to be receiving back. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I don't know if you watch Insecure, but the yes, last- Yes, I do. <laughs> Issa Rae, that woman, unstoppable. I just, yes. I loved her last episode because it really touched on Nathan and his mental health and just like him getting over um, just the struggles that he dealt with. And I thought it was beautiful how they did it because they did it in a way where it wasn't so like smack in your face, but it was mm-hmm. just kind of a nod to kind of check on your family, check on your friends who- may be struggling with something silently and you might not even know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that is everyone has something that we're dealing with, right? And it's, it is the pause. It's the time that you take to make sure that people that you care about are okay. You know, I think that's very important. Yeah. This this conversation, I I really enjoyed talking with you and getting to know a lot more about the Choose to Do Inc. Um, I think it's a really great nonprofit, and I'm so excited to see everything that you guys do. What upcoming events do you guys have coming up? So we'll have a, a program in December. Um, we're not sure which program we're going to run yet, but we'll have an opportunity for volunteers to come out um, and work with their kids in December, and then we'll have a fundraiser. Um, in December as well. I'm not quite sure which one we'll do, but we're talking about it and we'll plan it out and we'll kick it off in December. And yes, I will definitely be there making sure to post and help out with the promotion for that. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and just be on my show and talk with me about your nonprofit and just all the lovely work that y'all have been doing. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Of course. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did and that if you are dealing with mental illness, you know that you are not alone and that it's okay to ask for help if you need it. Dozy is a perfect example of someone living above the mean. She saw an area in her community that needed attention and she took her past traumas and experiences and organized them to create an organization to support that community. If you like the show, make sure to comment and subscribe. I'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday morning. Don't forget to follow our Instagram. I'll be uploading highlight clips and bonus reels from the podcast, which is tagged in the description below. As always, remember, don't settle for average. Rise above the mean and stand out.